this sermon series, this, uh, this discipleship program that uh, Marcus and I have been working on, really started about a year and a half ago when I first met him uh, at a conference. Little did we know we would be working together one day. Uh, but we had a shared problem, and that was that every time we read a book or we heard some teaching from a church about discipleship, it always began with what a disciple looks like, meaning the way they were in the world. And the problem that Marcus and I had with that is that both of us were not very good at it. We were not the perfect picture of discipleship. I mean, he has tattoos and earrings, and I'm Brad. So, just that. Uh, Very often reminded of, of... why I, I fall short of the office that I hold, but even beyond that, uh, reminded of why I fall short of the glory of God often enough. And so if I was to look at myself as a disciple, um, F would be appropriate. Wasn't very good in school, as Christy just learned. Not very good at many of the actions that I do. But looking at scripture, understanding the nature of the gospel, learn that a disciple is someone who the Lord is engaged with. A disciple is someone that Christ has come to die for. A disciple is someone who has been brought to life by the Lord. And so within the first week of Marcus arriving in Seattle, we started talking about how to teach this. And coming up with the problem that the world has today is that many people are searching for identity and we're using almost anything we can find to try and identify ourselves with or or define ourselves by. So people use their jobs, they use uh, their positions in family, they use how good they are at this or how bad they are at that to define themselves. And what we wind up with is is a world that is uh, suffering from the highest rate of depression than ever before. A world that is full of large gaps between each person. The person that lives next door is a complete stranger to you. This is what it's like to live in a world that continues to try and search for its identity. For the Christian, our identity is given to us by God. All those others tend to fall away completely. What do you do with the Seahawks fan when the Seahawks lose? What do you do with a mother whose kids have finally moved out of the house at the age of 30? That was a joke. But I have painful truth of today. What do, you, what do you do with a lawyer that's no longer a lawyer or an accountant who's lost his job? A pastor who no longer has a pulpit? All of those other identities the world continually tries to take away from us. But when Christ has given you your identity, no one 
can rob you of that joy. The world may may rejoice as we sorrow over things, but the joy of faith cannot be taken from us. The identity that we have been given in Christ cannot be stripped from us by anybody. As Jesus said, He has come because He loves us so much, no one can take that from us. Not words of ridicule, not weapons, not danger, not fear, not anything can rob us of that love. Because God has so loved us. And no one, with their words, with their weapons, with all of their strength, can take the life that He has given us. We all work hard for our money. Sometimes. There's a phrase out there of making a living. Have you heard this before? Have you used it before? Man's got to eat. Got to make his living. And the way we define how we live is generally by all these other identities. The ways that we work to make this living, to, to buy us the things that we need. And some people kind of try to use that to describe life. In fact, we've all heard that nothing is certain in life except for death and taxes. That's one way to describe life. Not the optimist's way, but, you know. Some people describe life by the successes that they have in work. The business card that they're able to hand over to you or, or the, uh, the status that they've attained. They, they are living because they have won. Maybe it's uh, the way we have relationships. Some people describe their life in relationships, almost collecting relationships in a lot of ways, where they, they're able to gain a friendship and they kind of put it over here and they pull it out whenever they want. Maybe judging life by the busload of friends that they're able to have. Or maybe even the small Volkswagen of friends that they're able to have. Maybe they try to define life even by the scrapes and bruises they have. Sometimes it can be a little difficult being a a very young pastor where uh, some people question whether can you actually do this job because of your age. I've never really heard it from anybody inside the church, but I I hear it a lot from people that find out I'm a pastor and and are not in the church. They just don't know. And so... They ask that question. At the root of that question, a lot of times, is you have not lived long enough to be able to tell people about life. You don't have enough tragedy in your life. And maybe by the more scars and the more bruises we have, that that is how we know we are alive. We make hard times for our living. 
We spend a good deal of time trying to describe the way we live. One of my favorite theologians, John Stott, once made a statement during a a lecture that he was giving where he said that living is loving. Living is loving, and without it, we disintegrate and we die. (laughs) That's a pretty good way to describe living for many of us. The living is loving, and without it, we disintegrate and we die. And and so if we were to take our... our, uh, our identity as people are loved, then we should know ourselves to be living in that same way. After all, we have love for one another. We share love with our spouse, with our parents, with our friends. Um, we have love that has come to us. So we should know ourselves as being alive through that. Which makes a great deal of more sense in the many other ways. You, you can be someone who judges your life by your successes, but really if you look at it deeply enough, you find just as many losses as successes. You can define your life by all the relationships that you have, but you will see that as some enter the door, there is just as many going out the back door. You can define your life by all the scrapes and bruises that you have. You can define your life and living by all these different things, but every single one of them can be easily taken away. Except for the life that is given to us in Christ. A life that has come to us by His own hands. A life that is given to us in His love. His own nail-pierced hands that have given us this life. There are many out there who are still searching for life. Looking all over the place for life. Traveling the world, trying to search and find some sort of meaning. Turning to addiction, turning to anything under the sun. Sometimes even we fall into that, looking everywhere we can for life. Looking in consistency, looking for an actual relationship, looking for money, looking for drugs, looking for sex, looking for anything we certainly can get our hands on. And we are still searching many times for that life. In today's world, one of the, one of the ways people keep trying to define life in themselves is, is even by independence and freedom. By making ourselves an island, by putting ourselves aside, by, by removing anybody who thinks that they may have authority over us doing everything we can to remove government and doing everything we can to remove organized religion or any pastor that we disagree with or or church body. Asserting ourselves as the ultimate rule and authority in our life. I am living because I say I am living, says John Wayne. But removing the church and the pastors, removing the community, removing the proclamation of faith, removing the acknowledgement that we do have people in our lives. 
and people that we are responsible to and responsible for, it only leads to more loneliness. only leads to more searching. It only, frankly, leads to more warfare, either in our own personal lives or in the world itself. As we try to assert ourselves over everybody else to live the way we want to live, only leads to death. Thankfully, thankfully, this is, this is where God finds us. This is how he finds us. People who are on that path towards death. People who have done everything we can to find independence. Everything we can to find meaning elsewhere. And, and God finds us there and he brings us to life. He brings us to the waters of baptism. He brings us to his word. And there, there we die to death. And we rise to life. A new life. As we talked about John 3.16 with knowing that we as disciples in Christ are loved. In that same chapter, Jesus goes to talk to Nicodemus and, and to declare to Nicodemus that actually he must be reborn. A, a phrase that Lutherans we don't use too often, but, but here Nicodemus, someone who has achieved, someone who would be able to hand over his business card of success, one who could proclaim himself somewhat independent as a ruler, says to him, no, you must be born to new life. You must be born again. Uh, where, where the world is something you've died to and you now live by the Spirit. You, as a disciple of Christ, are living. You are living by Christ's nail-scarred hands. You are, are living by someone who has been engaged with Someone whose heart has been transformed. Someone who has the spirit of the living God and has brought you to life. You are living now in a world where, where the fear of loneliness, where the fear of abandonment, where the fear of being left out, where the fear of dying, the fear of emptiness is all gone. All been satisfied by Christ and you have been given something completely new. You have been given fulfillment. You have been given a new life. A life that is loving. A life where the one who is called love himself has come to you, saved you, and lives with you. In Jesus, we have someone who has said to us all those other things. All those other identities are from the thief who comes to steal and to destroy. But I have come 
so that you may have life and have it abundantly. The sign of this abundance of life is in his empty tomb. Where the one who is known as love defeated our final enemy, defeated death. So that all those who are reborn and who are made new constantly in Christ know that their tomb will also be empty. So that we do not live as people who need to spend every day as if it's our last because no day is our last. No relationship is our last. No breath is our last. Because one day we will rise again. This very world that He has created out of His own loving hands will be remade and we will be standing in victory with our Savior. We are living. And this is the new life that has been brought to us. This is life abundant. Amen? Amen. Amen.